Today's reading is from Leviticus, which you probably can't find. So it's page 183 in the Pew Bibles, and it's chapter 18, beginning at verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must not do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I am bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I am the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws, for the man who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. And in chapter 19, just the first two verses, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the entire assembly of Israel and say to them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sarah, for that reading. I feel a bit superfluous, actually, because there was such a lot of uh, interaction there that you probably all got the question right. Um, But let's have a go. But first, let's pray. Our holy Lord and Saviour, open our ears this morning to your truth and guiding. Let us be attentive to your direction that we might be set apart to love, follow, and obey you. Amen. Well, we've uh, waved off the 11th vicar of this parish, but the show goes on. (laughs) And we're continuing our sermon journey through the entire Bible, based on 50 or so studies from the book Whole Life, Whole Bible. Now, the interregnum is not a pause button on our mission journey here in Southbourne. God will want to prepare us for what's coming up ahead with our new leader and may well be preparing them too as part of our next exciting instalment in the direction that we're travelling in for his glory. But back to the work in hand our next exciting instalment in in our studies of the whole Bible. Today, we have the theme, Holy, Holy, Holy. And our passage this week is in Leviticus. Now, how many people get excited when we come to Leviticus? I I can see Ian is. (laughs) I don't want to disappoint you, but we're not going to dwell too much on all the Jewish laws from the Old Testament. And in some ways, that defines Jewishness. But I want to explore what the New Testament perception is to us as followers. So you'll be pleased to know when this series does not go into the depth, dissecting the 613 Jewish commandments in the the Old Testament. And that's not counting the, the thousands of rules and regulations that the rabbis added to those This brief study in in Leviticus has us thinking about holiness 
rather than legalism. So I hear is Kadush. When Moses approached the not-so-burning bush, to paraphrase Mike from two weeks ago, Moses was told to take off his sandals because the ground was holy. And this gives us a sort of insight that there's a clear distinction between the secular and what we should treat differently in the holy. But there's also an element of danger of approaching a pure and perfect holy God. As Peter said to Jesus, away from me for I am a sinful man. And no doubt Moses approached God with a fearful heart. I'm reminded of that scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark when uh, they open the Ark of the Covenant and they melt with the confrontation of the presence of the mighty and holy God. I'm sorry, I hope that's not a spoiler, but the film's been out quite a few decades now. Um, But that isn't quite biblical, but in 2 Samuel chapter 6, we hear of a story of a poor man called Uzzah who put his hand out and touched the ark and was duly uh, suffered the consequences of touching something so holy. But it was interesting, thinking about the song that we've just sung, Holy, 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 uh, but it's about Isaiah seeing this vision of the temple and he felt so uh, in awe of what was going on and felt so sinful. But God comes and touches, he sends an angel to touch his lips. God comes to us to restore us so that we can have that access to the Father. Now, I must admit, for a long time, I had a mistaken belief that really holy people set themselves completely apart, perhaps being hermits. And personally, I have a problem with understanding that sort of ministry. I don't think that's, that's for me, but um, the puzzlement is also when we talk about things like going on a retreat. After all, the war was won by Jesus. And we're just living through some of the minor skirmishes and the mopping up operations before the final victory parade. So we've no need to retreat. We can stand on the ground of the rock. But let me be clear, I'm not against people who decide to spend some time away to reflect, bring things to the Lord, to prepare for a special commission or some dedication to, say, intercession. But I see that as an advancement in God's mighty victory and that minor role that God chooses to give to us in that mission. Now, in preparing this talk, I tried to think about people who I thought were truly holy. Uh, People like Mother Teresa. Uh, Anybody else got any suggestions? No, Martin Luther, the Pope. What startled me is I found it very difficult to initially put Jesus into that category. He didn't live the life of a hermit, and nor did John the Baptist. They very much got involved in the grimy world of sinners, outcasts, and people that were considered by the Jews unclean. So whereas the 
pious Pharisees made a point of keeping themselves pure, set apart, and they, for anyone that didn't fit into their religious ideals. But Jesus' credentials of holiness were very clearly vocalized by an unclean spirit in Mark chapter 1, who declared, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So rather than dismissing Jesus and John as unholy, maybe I needed to examine the true quality of being holy. What are we actually setting apart? Now, Dane Ortland pondered on this in his excellent book. I, I heartily recommend it. I think Matt quoted it as last week as well. But here's, here's a question. Uh, here's a quotation from, from him. If Christ is perfectly holy, must he not necessarily withdraw from sin? Here we enter into one of the profound mysteries of who God in Christ is. Not only are holiness and sinfulness mutually exclusive, but Christ, being perfectly holy, knows and feels the horror and weight of sin more deeply than any of us sinful ones could. Just as the purer a man's heart, the more horrified he is at the thought of his neighbours being robbed or abused. Conversely, the more corrupt one's heart, the less one is affected by the evils all around. Now, what I didn't know until recently was the old idea of a hermit wasn't necessarily someone that removed themselves from society. In fact, we've got an excellent example right on our very doorstep. The village of Hermitage, less than a mile from here, was named after a hermit called Simon Cotts, who died in 1527. His ministry wasn't to sit all day in some dark tower contemplating. He was the keeper of the bridges. <laughs> so very much part of service to the community rather than a recluse. He had a practical ministry dedicated to God. I wondered whether or not it might be nice for us to locally employ our own hermit as the keeper of the level crossing, perhaps. <laughs> In this passage today, we see some clear instructions from God to his people. He told them wherever they were, in Egypt or Canaan, they were not to do as those around them. They were to focus on the Lord and, and his instructions. Being set apart meant not doing what the world is doing, but still being part of that world. The Jewish law, and I'm thinking particularly of the distinctives such as circumcision, the food laws, and specific festivals, provided that rigid framework to help them be different and to set them apart. However, for the Israelites, God, in his infinite grace, set out this framework of, uh, of sacrifice to remove the consequence of when they did not adhere to his commandments. 
We, of course, have Jesus. There's also a graphic example by God himself in that the tabernacle and temple, and the tabernacle is just a posh name for a tent, is when they were in the desert, his holy presence was central. It was right there in the midst of them. And God and his son are not pie in the sky. They come very much to dwell amongst us. And their proper place is in the center. This call to be holy is echoed in the New Testament. We see in 1 Peter chapter 1 the words, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So there we have the New Testament endorsement of these words in Leviticus. So I offer the following to ponder this coming week. We are all temples of the Holy Spirit. So it tells us in 1 Corinthians 3.16. We have in this, con- this contained holiness inhabiting in our mobile temples, moving about in this fallen world. So let us consider where God might be asking you to tabernacle this week. When God directed the Israelites to move in the desert, he accompanied them with smoke by day and fire by night. So let us pray that God's clear direction will guide us through this week. Those holy people with the presence of the Lord in residence, I like to imagine that the glory shines out of them like shining out of the windows of the temple. And I'm reminded, I like it at Christmas when we come to the carol service and I turn the corner there and I see these stained glass windows illuminated from inside, beckoning people to come and worship the newborn king. Wouldn't it be good if we illuminated those around us with the glory of the Lord? So maybe we should start by giving our temple a good late spring cleaning and see where our Lord instructs to pitch our tabernacle this week. And finally, as for homework, there's a challenging verse I found in Hebrews chapter 12. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Quite a sobering thought. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I think it's relevant now for us to pause and and say our confession. What I'll do is I'll read it, and if you're comfortable with it, you can join me with an amen at the end. Let us pray. Merciful Lord, pardon all my sins of this day, week year. All the sins of my life, sins of early, middle, and advanced years, of omission and commission, 
of tempers, hard-heartedness, unbelief and pride. Of keeping silent about Christ, of deception, injustice, untruthfulness in my dealing with others, of impurity in thought, word and deed, of covetousness, which is idolatry, sins in private and in the family, in study and recreation, in the busy haunts of men, in the study of your word and in the neglect of it, in prayer irreverently offered and coldly withheld, in time misspent, in yielding to Satan's wiles, in opening my heart to his temptations, in being unwatchful when I know he is near, in quenching the Holy Spirit, sins against light and knowledge, against conscience and the restraints of your spirit. Pardon all my sins, known and unknown, felt and unfelt, confessed and not confessed, remembered or forgotten. Good Lord, hear and hearing forgive. Amen.